What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Simon Voyanos. And I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer. And we're back at it with episode 22, talking about uh, the best tight ends in the state of Colorado. And arguably, you know, Colorado has some of the best tight ends in the country, as at least this year, that is. You know, we took a look at that, I want to say top 30, top 40 list of uh, top tight ends in the country. And, you know, Colorado has like, I want to say four or five of them in the top 30 or top, right? top 30 i want to say and two of them are in the top 20 so big things here we got a lot of three star um and four star players here uh most of them are already committed so i'm just gonna throw this out there ahead of time because we're probably gonna say this a million times we're splitting hairs here you know there's not a whole ton of difference or a huge dropout drop off between each uh player so so there you go but cody do you I mind really if i go ahead and get this party started with number five here yeah go for it i was just gonna say and uh the the level of tight end that you're looking at here it basically depends on what you want to use them for because all of them could be the best tight end depending on how you want to look at using them that's true so it's a little uh subjective in in that way so there you go uh, what matters is that these five players made our list, though. So let's go ahead and jump into it. So at number five, we got Tanner Arkin, the 6'4", 225-pound tight end out of Fossil Ridge High School in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. He is a three-star commit to CSU, Colorado State. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and talk about positives here. I have a couple here, and then, Cody, you could go uh, next. Okay? So... Oh, first things first, he has solid D1 height, 6'4", and I, well, I should say he has solid D1, uh, he has a solid D1 frame. He was a little bit lighter a year ago, I think he was closer to 6'4", 210, but no, he most definitely bulked up, now he's 6'4", 225 as a senior, and that's what we like to see, especially on the college level. Um, you know, there are some tight ends that are a little bit lighter, but I would say 225 is is the minimum for a D1 FBS Power 5 type of tight end. And so he fits that bill uh, very easily. And then for a tight end, you know, he has some pretty good speed. Low-key, he could probably switch over to receiver and be okay there. So so there you go. Uh, I Another thing I really like is that he's a solid enough run blocker for a tight end, and he could easily take on linebackers and edge rushers well, at least um, Colorado talent well. And, you know, there were a couple of times where he led block, and so that's always good to see that versatility and um, see that he's able to be a good enough blocker and get after those uh, bigger type of players. And then um last thing here he just has a really high motor both as a blocker and after the catch after the catch he could be pretty i wouldn't even say tricky to bring down i'd say he's tough to bring down because he's always churning he's always trying to move forward and you know he's he's a big dude so you gotta wrap him up you gotta form tackle and you gotta be strong enough and low-key you know in the state of colorado this is someone that you most definitely have to gang tackle and double team and deny the ball when possible um, and then also as a blocker, you know, he, he shows a lot of effort there and he does this thing. He rarely gives up on a lot of plays. So those are my positives for Tanner Arkin. Cody, what are some positives for Tanner here? Tanner Arkin, I think he's one of the more physical blockers on this list. 
and something that I really like about his blocking is he locks his arms and he keeps them inside. So I don't see Tanner getting called for a lot of holding calls at this level or the next level because of his sound technique while blocking. I really like that he does lead block on a lot of run plays and that he pulls and I like his lateral movement while blocking and I think that you're able to use him in a lot of creative ways, you know, because of his versatility when blocking. I will also say that he has pretty consistent hands and he hangs on to the ball when getting hit, which is especially important because a lot of his routes end up over the middle where there's just a lot of traffic and you wouldn't expect, you know, some other Colorado talent to even hold on to it. So I think that's what puts Tanner into, you know, high conversations as far as the nation goes. I will also say that he works in the slot and he gets off of press very well, whether it's against a linebacker, a safety, or a cornerback, if there is a third cornerback on the field. So I really like that. You know, there's a lot of wide receivers on our list that had a lot of trouble getting off of press. So to see our number five tight end be able to do it is really encouraging as far as pushing him outside or, you know, whether he's playing at the actual tight end spot and he's pushing through that middle traffic. I will also say that he boxes out defenders super well when catching the ball, which is especially important on his out routes where, you know, he's not necessarily the fastest prospect. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a second. But, you know, what he lacks in speed, he makes up for in physicality and size by keeping defenders away from him and making the catches a bit easier on the outside near the hashes. With with that being said, there are definitely some areas of improvement for Tanner. And Simon, you mind if I talk about them just a little bit here? Yeah, go for it. So Tanner, compared to these other cats on this list, he runs pretty basic tight end routes, you know, whether it's just an in or a seam route or particularly his out routes seem to be the most consistent money makers for him. And, you know, that's just that's expected of a tight end. And it's good that he does that. But compared to these other tight ends who are running all kinds of routes, it's not as encouraging. I will also say that when he does catch, sometimes he looks like you could see the worry on his, you know, body when when he goes to catch it, that he's worried about dropping it. So he catches with his body sometimes. And that's not as encouraging compared to some of these other guys who are really aggressive when the ball in the air and catch with their hands. I will. I already talked about it a little bit. Tanner isn't the fastest guy on this list, and he's not one of the faster athletes that we've seen on the show. And, you know, that you could tell that the team has to adapt to that rather than, you know, using him as a more versatile weapon. And I think that he gets taken down way too easily for his size. You know, he's a, like Simon said, 6'5", 225-pound dude, and he's getting ankle-tackled by these cornerbacks and these safeties. And it's like, if you're going to play so physical in the run game and in the pass game when running routes, why not play physical when you have the ball in your hands as well? And we'll see some of these other tight ends who are able to shed tackles really easily, and they're super slippery and elusive. Simon, what are your thoughts on my areas of improvement, and what do you have to add on to that? Yeah, so um, look, I, I agree that he he needs to work on his route running. We didn't see a huge variety, and Loki, I think he could potentially be someone you could switch over to receiver. But you know, if he chooses, or I guess if they choose at CSU to let him fill out and play a traditional tight end role, then you know I would still like to see a you know a couple more routes be developed there, so that you could still put him out and have that versatility. Because we know he's a solid blocker, you know, 
catching wise, he's fine. But we we'd like to see that developed a little bit more. I think that's something I'd most definitely like to see. In addition, you know, his stats aren't super great. I'm going to be honest. I tried looking them up on Max Preps, and I don't think they're accurate. But even then, his junior year stats weren't super awesome, um, at least the ones that I saw on Huddle. And so that's probably just because he plays tight end, which is fine. But there's probably some questions there about production. Nothing he could handle now, but it's something that he'll have to prove later on. And so maybe there's some consistency issues there, but... You know, we'll just have to see. And then I would like to see him just get more explosive. And then in addition, I'd like to see him work on his agility and just, you know, his his running in short spaces. I think he could get get much more explosive, improve that acceleration, and then he could probably be a little bit more agile, flexible when in small spaces and make more people miss. Um, and that will obviously translate to route running as well, too. So I'd like to see him get a little bit more athletic at that standpoint. Top end speed wise, he might be capped off. It's not the biggest deal if he's going to play tight end. I think that's more, most definitely fast enough. But um, acceleration wise and agility wise, there are definitely some things that I'd like to see him work on there just so he could be a little bit more of a receiving threat. So, So there you go. But with that being said, though, uh, do you want to go ahead and talk Outlook? Yeah, I'm fine with ta- talking Outlook. So he, he's committed to CSU. We're familiar with some of the other talent that's going in there, like Luke McAllister, who, you know, I'd say was a quarterback that utilized his tight end. And we even took a look at him out of Palmer Ridge. Yeah. So and, and there's plenty of other playmakers that are going to be going there. And I think that that just opens up more opportunities for Tanner. And I think that, you know, in a more, I guess, like, I don't want to say simplified offense, but in not really a spread, run and gun, you know, air raid offense, Tanner is going to excel because it plays more to his strengths on leading for running backs and such like that. So I think that Tanner has an excellent uh, position. I definitely think he's a red shirt guy, as most of our prospects usually are. But I wouldn't be afraid of necessarily throwing him in as a freshman because of his size, if that makes sense. But I think as far as game speed goes, that's going to take some time to get used to. And that would be the reason why I wouldn't want him to be thrown into the fire. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, So here's the thing. McAllister's tight end at Palmer Ridge. Uh, Cam Jones, and we'll talk about him in honorable mentions, I'm sure. He committed to CSU as well. They offered him a full ride. And so, I'm just going to be honest. I think I, I, I wouldn't rule him out because I don't think there's that huge of a difference between Tanner Arkin and Cam Jones, if I'm just being straight up honest. And the fact that Luke McAllister and Cam Jones have more um, chemistry, and this is, you know... This is no indication or assumption, I guess, that Luke would be the future. But we are assuming that he is the future since, as of now, I'm pretty sure he's the highest-rated quarterback uh, in this draft class. Or, sorry, recruiting class going to CSU. But 
you know, if it does come down to it, I do kind of see Cam Jones and McAllister making more noise than uh, Tanner Arkin and McAllister. And so that's not to say that Tanner can't beat him out for the job. That's just saying, you know, like, hey, you know, there's going to be competition there. And the <laughs> your probable future quarterback is bringing his guy to Fort Collins as well. And so he, he'll have to work on that chemistry with Luke for sure. And so... I wouldn't exactly say I wouldn't be super confident in saying maybe you could even start his redshirt freshman year, even if he was to take that redshirt year. But maybe for sure as an upperclassman, but I think as a sophomore, as a redshirt sophomore, he could for sure see some snaps there, at least on special teams, I would say. So there you go. I think I think he's a great talent and whatnot, but, you know. They they go with the guys who have the best chemistry with whoever's the leader of the team. And so I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on. I I didn't bring it up as a strength or a weakness, really, because I don't think it has to do with Tanner at all. But Tanner, he does have to, you know, go the extra mile building that chemistry with his teammates. And that redshirt year will help him with that. And maybe even more years will help him with that just so we get those chances. So So there you go. Am I out of pocket you know? for saying that, though? Like, what what do you think about that whole situation? Well, <laughs> I did not know that uh, Cam Jones was going to CSU, and I definitely think that that puts... It's an obstacle, right, for Tanner to overcome. But based off of, like, watching their film, I think that Tanner has played more snaps at tight end. So in any other given situation, he would be more ready to play, I'd say. You know, because I'd say Cam Jones was a better defensive end than he was a tight end. But, okay. Um, you know, chemistry certainly plays a role in deciding who gets jobs and who starts. So we'll see what the offseason does for these guys is basically what it boils down to for me and what okay. the schedule looks like and the opportunities that Tanner gets. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I'm just projecting forward, you know, into Outlook and whatnot. But yeah, no, I mean, obviously, if he's the better guy, then he'll play. Well, most likely, if he's the better guy, he'll play. Uh, but it's just something to keep an eye on. So I do think uh, Tanner, he'll vet, he'll get playing time for sure. I just don't know if he'll be like, you know, like first string tight end playing time, I guess, if you want to call it that. So We'll just have to see moving forward. There's a lot of unknowns here, low-key. So, so yeah. But, Cody, do you want to go ahead and introduce our number four tight end in the state? At number four, we have Gunnar Helm, the 6'5", 6'6", 225, three-star commit to the University of Texas. <laughs> Much to Simon's delight. But jumping right into strengths here, Gunnar, he does not give up on blocks and... He's going to block somebody not only until the whistle is blown, but sometimes even sometimes past the whistle being blown. So he's super fiery. He has a really high motor when he's engaged in blocks. I will also say that his footwork is closer to a wide receiver than it is a tight end. And it's really impressive. You can see it on his boundary catches and on his routes. You know, he takes the right steps and he, he's really good at making those cuts in and out of his routes. I also say that he has solid hands. He's not afraid to go up and, and get it. Unlike, you know, Tanner, he, he definitely uses his hands a lot more. And I think that he shows really good field vision and awareness by finding the pockets in the defense. A lot of his routes, you know, that 
their their post routes or their their corner routes or go routes and it's up to him to find that space for the cherry creek quarterback to put it in and he does a pretty good job at finding those open pockets for for his quarterback i also think that you know as far as um (laughs) i think that julian hammond is a really talented quarterback who throws gunner open sometimes and he doesn't let julian's great passes go to waste there's nothing worse than having a perfect dot thrown and then your pass catcher dropping the ball and gunner doesn't let that happen so i will say that he is a reliable pass catcher simon what are some strengths that you have for gunner helm yeah i'd agree um well first off i gotta mention the frame six five two twenty five that is most definitely a frame of an fbs d1 uh tight end and so that's big time and then i would say he has a great catch radius and really solid hands you know he's someone who could rise up and and make those big time catches he's he's someone who could easily be a red zone threat and you know it showed he had solid touchdown stats in his junior year where he snagged eight touchdowns which which is saying a lot because you know you got plenty of weapons on that team including the number one receiver in the state chase penry and then the number two running back in the state in james walker and then obviously you know you have miles purchase who you could put anywhere and he'll burn anybody so with that being said, you know, Gunnar Helm really played that red zone threat for Cherry Creek really well and showed his potential there, honestly. And so that's what you really like to see. And then another thing here. Well, first off, I agree with everything you said. But the last thing here that I really have to say about uh, Gunner and Gunner Helm uh, positive wise is that, you know, he, he could block secondary players for sure, which is good because you definitely see a lot of tight ends and receivers who are more receiver than than blocker and can't do that. And so he does show that he has some really good blocking ability. Or okay, I won't say really good, but he has solid enough blocking ability there, and there's some potential there as a elite or a really good blocker. So so there you go. But Cody, do you mind if I go ahead and go into areas of improvement here? charge so but my biggest concern well not well i would say yeah one of my biggest concern here is his after the catch ability so 411 yards that's only 41 more yards than he had the year before when he had 370 receiving yards and look i get it you know you got chase penry there he's easily a 1000 yard receiver and you've got a bunch of other guys there as well and so you know cherry creek doesn't always have to throw the ball a lot because at that point they're like you know <laughs> they're <laughs> they're running over another team offensively anyways but it's still a, a little bit of a concern you know um 370 yards and 411 receiving yards aren't a lot this last year i could kind of you know pass it but that's like you know 411 receiving yards in eight games so it just average wise that's just not the best so for me i do question his uh catch after the run ability just a little bit there and so to improve that honestly you know get bigger uh speed wise i think he's about capped so that's fine you can't do much there but you know he could still get bigger get more explosive work on that acceleration and that agility a little bit more so that he is a tougher player to bring down so that there is more you know um you know 
yards after the catch ability just because it's cool to have a guy who could you know move around and make a solid catch and whatnot but if they don't have much ability to move after the catch well there we got a problem here because that makes that player a little bit one-dimensional so there you go uh did mention his blocking ability he's not terrible you know he has solid enough blocking ability but i do think it could be improved um i specifically would like to see him extend his hands more and just be much more of a consistent blocker i think in my opinion there were one or two times too many where you could see him get a little bit lazy go for a little you know chip block even though it shouldn't be a chip block and he just lowers his shoulder into somebody instead of fully engaging and whatnot and so i just like to see him you know work on that for for sure first off against linemen and uh, linebackers because he really didn't do that a lot and really work on that blocking ability get that consistency down for sure um and then with that you know that comes with winning leverage uh, consistently and all that stuff and so that was definitely something that i saw out of him that i would like for him to work on just because you know he's not exactly a receiving tight end i would say i would say he's a little bit more balanced than that and so you know if they use him at texas then you can't just have a guy out there that can't block you need somebody at least in the texas offense that they've ran before i know it might be different with steve sarkeesian out there but you gotta have somebody that could block a little bit you know um if i am correct i'm pretty sure steve sarkeesian got the opportunity to coach oj howard that one alabama tight end if i'm wrong then i'm wrong but you know, the way he does use those tight ends, they do have to block. And so I'd like to see him work on that so that he could get more snaps and more opportunities to be on the field and make those big uh, pass plays and whatnot. So, so there you go. And then last but not least here, he does not have the quickest hands off the press. I think he's a little bit slow in that manner. And so he could definitely uh, use some work getting those hands a little bit quicker uh, to at least compete with some of the safeties or DBs that will be in the big 12 because they will be athletic and whatnot. And so I do hope that, you know, he could get his hands up to speed or get stronger and he could just body them over and that works just as well. But I'd like to see him perform against the press a little bit better there. But Cody, what are some areas of improvement for Gunnar Helm here? I'm glad you asked because I was going to, and I'm glad that you mentioned that he's usually blocking out in space against smaller guys because that is a bit of a red flag for me. You know, I, we don't know what he looks like blocking linebackers and we don't know what he looks like blocking defensive ends. Like obviously in practice, you know, he has the opportunity of trying to maybe sometimes block Arden Walker, but like we don't get to see any of that or how that went. And so I, I wonder what that looked like from a personal perspective. I just like to see it, but that's just not really what he's called upon to do in this Cherry Creek offense. And so I think that, you know, you could run into some problems there at Texas trying to block some of these DNs who are who are going to that Big 12 level. So I'm definitely concerned about that. I think that a lot of Gunner's opportunities do come from playing on Cherry Creek where there are so many dangerous weapons. You know, Chase Penry opens up the game a lot for Gunner Helm. Julian Hammond's arm opens up the game for Gunner Helm. Miles Purchase on offense. James Walker on offense. They all open up the game so much for Gunner, you know, to, to excel. And I think that he benefits more from that than the other cats benefit from 
Gunner opening up opportunities for them, if that makes sense. I also think that Gunner is not very physical in the passing game. You know, if you look at some of these other tight ends, and I'll talk about their strengths here in a bit, but he's just really not as physical when it comes to that middle of the field, getting caught up in traffic. You know, he'll get pushed off, and, and like part of his strengths is his footwork and recovering, but he needs to be a bit stronger, I think, especially if he's going to be a tight end at the Big 12 level working over the middle of the field. You know, that's that it's basically a minefield out there where everyone is going different directions. And, like, I just don't think that Gunner is quite ready enough to handle the physicality of that at the college level. I also think that Gunner kind of has his head on a swivel. You know, you know my voice is moving here. Whenever <laughs> he's running routes. And I think that slows him down so much. And I don't know if there's a story behind that, but it is a bit of a red flag. Because it's like, well, first off, you never want to be playing the game of football scared because that's how you really get hurt. And second off, that takes away from his ability as a football player to run faster and do more. So those are my areas of improvement for, for Gunner is definitely, you know, work on blocking and being ready for those bigger guys in that next level. And then just... Focus on your route, you know what I'm saying? Or focus on your job, whatever it is on that play. Don't worry about what's going on all around you, you know? So he has to work a bit on awareness, and I'd say that, like, watching film would help out significantly with that. Yeah, for sure. What's I, your outlook for Gunner Helm at the U of T? Uh, okay, so I'm going to be honest. I don't know what other tight ends are going to the University of Texas like I did with CSU. Um, so sorry there, but I do think Gunner is someone that will most, I think most of these guys will have to take a red shirt and then even then I could see him more so as an upperclassman kind of starter, just because, you know, with the way that UT is probably going to use him, they might want to use him more as a blocker. And I think he'll most definitely have to get bigger. I think the ideal weight here, um, that they will be looking at looking at over there is 240 250 at the very least for him to get consistent reps on offense in game and so i think he'll he has a ways to go there with only being listed at 225 as of right now and so i think he'll most definitely have to take his time before he gets uh you know consistent reps over there but i think once he's there then he'll be a very consistent pass catcher and you know he'll, he'll still block and do his thing you know he'll be a reliable kind of tight end over there which is always useful and so i you know you never know most tight ends they really only need two years to make their impact on the college level and then you never know from there so that, those are some things that i really like those are some things that i feel really optimistic about so well, we'll just have to see, but I think for sure he could most definitely be, or most likely be a two-year starter at UT. So, yeah. But what about you, Cody? I feel good about that outlook as a two-year starter, especially because I think that he's going to really need that redshirt year to adjust to the, or be prepare, I should say, for the physicality of the Big 12 and that next level as well as watching film and working on just, you know, his overall football IQ and awareness. But I think that, you know, if he's able to address those things, then I think that, you know, if, if we see a more physical Gunner Helm succeed in the Big 12, then I think that there's a chance that we see this guy go to the NFL. You know, he has NFL size, arguably already, 
as an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old in high school. So mm-hmm. if he's able to bring the rest of his game and play at that size, you know what I'm saying? Like, Gunner kind of plays like he weighs 190 for some reason, you know, with his physicality. So if he plays like a 225-pound dude, then we could see him – I could see him going to the next level. I'm not going to project around for Gunner or anything, but I think that if he addresses those, he's going to be put in a situation – with, with the new coach where he could rack up quite a few yards and quite a few touchdowns by his junior or senior year. That's true, yeah. And honestly, even if he doesn't work on the yards after the catch, if he could just rack up like touchdowns and then be a great blocker, that's more than enough to make it, to make it into the NFL. He doesn't have to be exactly a you know receiving threat after the catch. So, so there you go. But all that requires is to put on muscle, really, and, you know, keep those hands strong so so there you go but do you want to go ahead and uh take a break before we talk about our number three and two guys here yeah if you want to carry us to the break yeah for sure so just so y'all know um just to review again at number five we have tanner arkin at number four we have gunner helm and then our number three and number two tight end in the state Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and we are continuing our top five Colorado Playmakers, this time Class of 2021 edition with tight ends being the position. At numbers five and four, we had Tanner Arkin and Gunnar Helm, respectively, who are going to CSU and Texas, also respectively. So here at number three, we have Simon we got Eric Olson, the 6'5", 230-pound tight end from Heritage High School. He is a three-star commit to the University of Colorado in Boulder. Do you want me to go ahead and go into areas of improvement here? Shoot away. Okay. So, in my opinion, he has very sloppy route running, and I think it could be more consistent. Uh, his, his footwork could definitely be improved a little bit, so I'd like to see some improvement footwork there, footwork-wise there, and it could definitely be a little bit quicker. But yeah, I I just like to see cleaner route running out of Eric Olson here. He could uh he tends to round round off some routes here, so that's that's something I saw a lot. But there we go. And then I guess the other like, negative, really, it's not an area of improvement because he couldn't. He couldn't control this, but he played with another big-time tight end on a stacked team. So um, most of the time, he was getting a lot of single-coverage looks, which is fine. But, yeah, you know, it definitely makes me wonder if he could moss, like, multiple guys and if he could actually be a big threat, you know, in the in the red zone, right? And I guess that's something that could be attributed to Gunner Helm as well. They kind of have the same weakness or so there, just because they're in a lot of single coverage. But I just want to see if this guy could, you know, catch contested uh, jump balls and, you know, make big time plays like the other guy on his team. And so that's kind of a concern here as well. You know, um, uh, I don't know. I just we just didn't see that same kind of physicality with multiple defenders around him, and so I wouldn't really say that's a area of improvement. Because if he can do it, then we just need him to to show it off at at Boulder, you know, on that next level. And so that's just uh, my opinion there. But Cody, what are some areas of improvement for Eric Olson here? 
I mean, you said it best, and it's the same word that I have in my notes, sloppy route runner. He rounds his cuts in and out of routes very often. He kind of takes, like, shortcuts through his routes a lot of the time. And I think that he just takes the easy way because, you know, he's just so big that it's really hard to contest him in the first place. But that's not going to fly at the next level, especially in the Pac-12, where, you know, you can see some faster linebackers that are going to be harder to shake off. So I definitely think that he needs to work on making his routes way more precise and working on his footwork. Once again, I'd recommend like specifically an agility ladder for that. I think it's like one of the best ways to improve your footwork, uh, jump rope some more too. But and I also think that he's, he's way more dangerous over the middle than the outside, which, you know, it's not necessarily a problem, but it, it, it's a limit, right? You know, that, he's found success on the outside but he's way better over the middle and so seeing like the amount of film that he has over the middle versus the outside makes me think that maybe his team wasn't as willing to put him on the outside as much as some of the other guys on this list i also think that uh, obviously you said it best he gets way more one-on-one opportunities if he was on basically any other team in the state he would be he would be facing double coverage and i'd like to see how he would respond to that and I think that he'd have to run more crisp routes to respond to that. So it's kind of like uh, one happens, then the other thing happens kind of kind of situation. Lastly, I want to say that his hands are kind of inconsistent. Sometimes, sometimes the ball just sticks right to his hands and it doesn't go anywhere, right? Sometimes he, he gets one hand on it and he just palms it and he's, and he's able to move on with the rest of the play. Other times he does bobble the ball a little bit or he catches it with his body, depending on the routes that he's called upon to run. I think that the ball sticks more to his hands with like the less, I want to say, like the more space he has, the easier the catch is for him. But the tighter or more crowded that the area gets, the more he catches it with his body or bobbles it, which at the next level, all it takes is you to bobble it for one second for a linebacker or a safety to come in and not allow you to make that catch. So that is definitely a concern for me. I want to see him get a bit more consistent at using just his hands to catch the ball and to not bobble as much. So that's kind of my thoughts on the areas of improvement. But Eric certainly has some very admirable areas of strength, and I'd like to start talking about it if that's all right with you, Simon. Yeah, go for it. Sweet. So Eric is a very physically imposing presence over the middle whether he's blocking linebackers into the ground or carrying defensive linemen to the next level or you know once he catches the ball once he gets moving forward he's kind of like the juggernaut where it's hard to bring him down he will just shed through arm tackles like no one's business and even people who try and square up with him might end up on their back with him watching him run to the end zone from an upside down view because they just got leveled so I think that he's in in the areas where, you know, he gets one-on-one looks in the passing game due to his teammate. He does get more looks at blocking, and I think he's a better blocker than his teammate that we'll be talking about later on the show. A little bit of a spoiler alert if you have the, uh, the know-how of Colorado football. But I think that his blocking opens up a lot of opportunities, and it opens up a way big playbook for anybody who has Eric Olsen in at tight end because he's so capable of doing so many things from that position. He pulls kind of like Tanner Arkin, but I think he's a better blocker than Tanner. I think he's significantly stronger 
and I think that he's he's way better at using his leverage. I also think that he has he's really explosive uh, after catching the ball. Like once he has it in his hands, not only is he hard to bring down because of his size and strength, but he can go zero to sixty very quick. And you know we talk about burst being a concern for a lot of pass catchers in this state or just athletes in general, but it is not a concern for Eric Olson. It is a strength as he has one of the best first steps following the catch that that this state has to offer. Simon, wouldn't you agree? And then what else do you have to add on? Yeah, for sure. I would agree. So, you know, obviously this applies to all of our tight ends, but these tight ends are some of the best in the country, not just the state, but some of the best in the country and they were highly coveted. And so Eric Olson is definitely one of those guys, even a little underrated at that. There are some guys that I looked at at that top 30 that I really don't think are that much better than Eric Olson or are better than Eric Olson at all. Because in my opinion, I think Olson here, he's probably the best blocker on this list. You know, he's a fantastic blocker. He goes up against linemen and linebackers. He's most He's usually used as a traditional tight end, honestly, and he just seeks contact, right? And he's very physical, and you got to love that. And so, yeah, like I was saying, he's a great blocker. He finishes blocks, and he extends his arms very well. And so he's definitely somebody that, you know, can be very versatile, and you can move him around. He gives off kind of – how should I say this? He gives off kind of like – uh shoot no one okay i might as well use this one so on the steelers on the pittsburgh steelers they we got two really solid tight ends and vance mcdonald and eric ebron eric ebron is most definitely more of the uh, pass catcher type vance mcdonald is the guy who's in the trenches he's blocking a lot but he could definitely catch two and so eric olsen to me is the vance mcdonald of this team he's someone who you could put up against guys and like linebackers and defensive ends and you could trust him there and he would do his job very well but also he has a great catch radius and very um good hands you know like there's some balls that he catches that are very impressive and he could definitely make some plays i also have to talk about his frame here yes he does have good prototypical d1 size but in my opinion i feel like he weighs a little bit or a lot more than 230 because he seems way more filled out way more stout um than another guy on this list who is literally listed at the exact same height and weight at 65230 and so so there you go um Eric Olsen, I think he's definitely going to be someone who's going to be a threat with uh with CU so so there you go oh I also think he has pretty he, he has above yeah, he has above average speed for a tight end. Like, if you put a linebacker on him, I could trust that Eric Olsen could get a step on him and beat him. So, there you go. But, uh, Cody, do you mind if we go ahead and talk about Outlook here? Not at all. So, I'm going to be honest. I don't think CU is recruiting a better tight end um, or that they could possibly recruit a better tight end than Eric Olsen here. I think going in there day one, he could potentially be a day one starter if he really wanted to. Um, yeah, I don't 
I don't trust that he's 230. I think he's I think he's a little bit heavier, which is good. That's what you like to see. And so I'm sure that's something that CU would love to see up there in Boulder. And so I think that he could definitely be someone who could get snaps day one as a true freshman potentially. And then um, if he does redshirt, which isn't a bad idea at all, he could put on more weight learn the offense, you know, get more adjusted. And I think he could be a three to four year starter at the very least over at CU. I don't really think they have somebody there uh, at the tight end spot that could do the things that Eric Olson can do. So, so yeah, but Cody, what do you think about Eric Olson and his outlook here at CU? I easily think that Eric Olson could be a first year starter at the university of Colorado. I think he has the size and the physicality to succeed not only as a a pass catcher arguably but i think that his blocking capabilities gives him lots of opportunities and his athleticism gives him opportunities whether that's playing on special teams or being their tight end number two or getting in on goal line packages i think that he's also a guy that you could throw in at fullback and heavy packages i think that he has a lot of versatility to his game as far as what his size and speed combination offers and i think that his hands open up multiple dimensions from those packages that he can succeed in. I also think that he's not a guy that I would mind splitting out wide for a jump ball situation as far as, you know, being in the red zone. So I, th- I think that Eric Olsen is set up in a very good spot to succeed. And if he doesn't start his freshman year, I definitely think that he could be a three-year, mm, I don't want to say a three-year starter, maybe like a two-year starter, but a three-year player at, the University of Colorado, whether he's rotating in his redshirt freshman year or taking consistent snaps heavily throughout multiple games. And I think that, you know, the the unfortunate thing for Eric Olson is CU isn't really known for putting out uh, tight ends to the next level, but Eric Olson might be the first to open up that door for, for more tight ends just based off of his talent. Once again, I'm not going to go and say anything crazy about uh, round for drafting. But I think that he has that NFL size and that physicality. And and I think that he'll only continue to get bigger and more physical the longer he's playing at a D1 program. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I, I, I get what you're saying, though. I would probably feel better if he was going to, a, you know, a tight end university like, like Iowa, because they always put out great guys like George Kittle, so... But he's not. He's going to see you, and hopefully they don't use him as a receiver because I don't think he's really that type. But they use him as a traditional tight end. Like they could be getting a really good player here who could be moved around a lot. So there you go. But do you mind if I introduce our next guy on the list here? Number two. All right. So our number two tight end in the state, it's Sam Hart. He is 6'5", 225 out of Cherokee Trail High School. He is a three-star commit to the Ohio State. I hate that I said that, but I had to. So let's go ahead and talk about negatives because I started with the negative there. Well, they have a trademark, <laughs> so you have to. Well, not on this podcast, but let's let's talk about periods of improvement. So, so look, he he needs to work on his route running. 
it's a little sloppy at times. I think that's not the worst thing. That's something you actually see a lot out of high school tight ends. The route running isn't always the best just because, you know, they're usually like 6'4", 6'5", and they body whoever's in the end zone, so it doesn't matter. On the next level, especially in the Big Ten, trust me, it'll matter because the Big Ten produces like a million linebackers. You got to have good route running. You know, you got to help out your quarterback. So route running could definitely use some work there. As a blocker, he's not bad. I think he does need to work on some consistency, though, uh, specifically getting leverage and improving his footwork when blocking. I think his base could get a little bit narrow when he's blocking, and maybe that's just because he's easily overpowering some of the linemen and some of the linemen and linebackers in the state of Colorado. But, you know, on that next level, obviously, it'll be much different. So I'd like to see that improve. And then uh, in addition to add on to his blocking, he needs to make sure that he gets extension when blocking and be careful to to not get caught holding. Because there were definitely a couple of times that I felt like he, he was holding just a little bit. So blocking is definitely something that I would like to see him uh, become more consistent at and polish you know so so yeah but cody what are some areas of improvement for sam hart here thank you for asking simon i have here in my notes balance 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 i see sam hart stumbling all over the field whenever he catches the ball or on his way to running routes and i don't really understand why i think that he he doesn't keep his chest over his legs and so he ends up looking really top heavy whenever he has the ball in his hands or he's running routes, which is weird because I don't really see that when he blocks, but when he's out in the open field, he just seems to struggle. And I could see like the turf monster being like a a deadly force to Sam Hart at Ohio state. And that's not something that you want to be beat by. You want to get beat by the big 10 talent and not the field. So I definitely think that he needs to work on his balance this off season and work on keeping his chest over his legs in the past game. I think part of the reason that his balance struggles, and these are more areas of improvement, is he has a very bad stance and release. He consistently takes a false step. He's hunched over in his stance, and that leads to a very slow get-off. And and I think it contributes to his problem of not being able to to stay balanced during his routes. And, And I'd say, Sam, first off, watch your film, and then watch film of wide receivers and what their stance looks like. And I think you'll be able to tell very quickly the things that you need to improve on. So work on just like you can even do this in your backyard. Work on your stance in your backyard and see how long you can hold it. You should be comfortable and pushing off of your front foot every time you do get offs. Whereas you rock back and almost take like a second false step, which is something that I really hadn't seen before. So definitely work on your stance and your release and getting off. You also usually use the wrong foot to lead depending on what side of the ball you're on usually dictates what foot that you use receivers and so i'd also just once again watch film on that and then practice all right if i'm on the left side of the field what foot am i using how am i working on my get offs if i'm on the right side of the field etc etc so definitely work on your releases and your balance this offseason sam and i think that you will be worlds better for it the fortunate thing for you is that is something that we talked about as weaknesses for our receivers last week So hopefully that collegiate coaching, especially at the Ohio State University, should help you correct. But 
with that being said, there are strengths of our number two tight end in Colorado. Simon, you mind if I elaborate? Yeah, go for it. So Sam Hart, I think he arguably has the strongest lower body of any of these tight ends, which allows him to bully through tackles and also drive on blocks. Simon said that his base isn't necessarily the best, but he's able to compensate for that because a, he drives so well, and he takes a lot of steps, and he's just so strong in the lower body. And it's good to see that he also blocks using his lower body strength rather than just trying to toss people with his arms, which is what a lot of bigger players will do. And I think that that kind of idea and playing that leverage game and using your lower body is going to translate well to the next level and will allow him to stay relevant as a blocker. I also think... I also really like that he lines up inside and outside and runs a plethora of routes. While his route running does need work, at least he knows all of these different kinds of routes. Outs, ins, corners, posts, hitches, hitch and goes even, and whips. You know, a lot of tight ends aren't called upon to run those routes. And, you know, the fact that he's been running them at the high school level, I see lots of room for improvement and even perfection for some of these routes at the next level. I also think that he's a solid high pointer. He's not afraid to go up and get the ball. I think he's right up there with the best of them in the state as far as how high he can get up there and how often he's willing to do it over the middle of the field. He's willing to do it by the sideline and then stick his feet and stay in bounds. I think that something that I really liked about Sam Hart that I didn't see from too many other pass catchers on their highlight reels is while Sam goes up for the ball, he also dives for the ball pretty often and he comes up with really low throws that kind of blow my mind for for a tight end that doesn't seem like they have the balance to pull it off sam has an excellent knack for knowing where he is on the field and what he has to do to catch anything with his within his range and i think by catching low and high as well that's also a testament to a gigantic catch radius that sam hart has to offer i also think that if he's in the open field, he has a solid running form, which also confuses me a little bit on the balance because his running form looks so clean. But I think that once he, once he's in the open field, he's going to be nearly impossible to catch. Whereas some of these other guys, their film cuts out after they're running for so long, and it's like, well, that's because he got caught and he didn't score a touchdown. So those are some things that I like about Sam Hart. Simon, what do you think of our three-star tight end here? Yeah, so uh, Sam Hart, he's probably one of the better receiving tight ends in the state for sure. And, you know, by those standards, that basically means he's one of the best receiving tight ends in the country. And so, in my opinion, he just has really good speed, great speed, honestly, for a tight end. And for someone that size, that's 6'5", 225, to move like he does... You know, that's that's phenomenal. That means he's a really big pass threat and he could be someone that could um, that could gash and slash some defenses out there for sure. And so that's definitely something that separates him from some other guys uh, on this list. He in my opinion, he breaks a lot of tackles. I think you mentioned that, you know, he has a very strong lower body. So that helps him out there. And then um, you also mentioned his great catch a radius and just really good hands. And I'd have to agree, you know, he has extremely reliable hands, really good hand-eye coordination. If it's, you know, if it's catchable, I think Sam Hart could catch it. And so there you go. That's great to see there. Um, I know I criticize his blocking, but when he's right, 
he's right. <laughs> you know, he could set that edge and he could line up as a traditional tight end as well and do his job very well there. Uh, I Like I said, I just need to see consistency, but I do see flashes of him being a great blocker. And then last but not least, I do believe he's someone who could play special teams, which is not something you could say about a lot of the people on here, but he's definitely somebody that could get out there on special teams and, you know, at 6'5", 225 and that great speed, he'll be able to contribute and add some size and speed to um, to Ohio State special team squad. So, so there you go. But um, yeah, I, I really like this player. Like I said, <laughs> we're splitting hairs here. There could definitely be an argument made for Sam Hart uh, to be the top tight end in the state for sure. So there you go. But Cody, you mind if I lead off and talk about outlook here over at Ohio State? <laughs> Go for it. I was also going to say that Eric Olson could also have an argument for top tight end in the state. And the idea was tossed around as well as Sam Hart. But you guys will just have to stay tuned because obviously we didn't conclude with it. But yeah, no, I'll look on sure. Sam Hart. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think we debated it a little bit more than than we usually would uh, with other players. But this was probably the closest or one of the closest. So uh there you go plus you know tight end they're used for different reasons and whatnot so each system has something a little bit different and over at ohio state let me go ahead and jump into this outlook here they definitely use tight ends more traditionally i would say like it's very rare that you will see them put a tight end out at receiver just because they're very good at recruiting receivers they always take texas kiddos and so you always have a bunch of great receivers on the outside so that really leaves you know tight ends to play more of a traditional role there whether you know it was an urban uh, meyer led offense or a ryan day led offense so i think sam hart will be used the same there and with that being said i think there are tight ends on this roster already that are more experienced they're bigger as in like weight wise they're bigger and i that kind of hurts sam hart a little bit so the way i see it i think sam hart is most definitely more of a project over at ohio state and he could develop into somebody really really good it's just he'll have to put on weight so he can match some of the guys on that squad that relatively all have the same frame they're all around six, at least six five six six and then most of them are 250 at the very least so they're big boys and i think sam hart he'll have to put on weight now, i don't know how long that'll take but that'll definitely affect some of his playing time over there because he does have a bit of a depth chart to uh to climb and then some of the other tight ends you know that are on this list obviously they went up against better competition and i do kind of have some doubts about um the competition here in colorado at least up against tight ends and so i would say after a redshirt year and maybe another year he's potentially a two-year starter i feel like that's a very safe bet there he like i said he could probably play special teams so maybe he could get some snaps there and then that could accelerate uh the the process of moving up the depth chart but as of right now i do think he's a solid two-year starter or two-year contributor to an ohio state team that will be um obviously you know getting a lot of the top recruits in the nation uh, including the number one quarterback in this class quinn ewers or ewers i don't care what his name is i don't <laughs> but uh from south lake carroll up in texas or down in texas and so 
you know, I think Sam Hart will most definitely be a weapon for uh, for Quinn over there to use. But it will take some time for sure, though, some development. So, Cody, what do you think about Sam Hart and his outlook here at Ohio State? Yeah, I'm going to agree a thousand percent with you that I think that Sam Hart is a, is a project player. I definitely would rather be safe than sorry getting him ready for that competition in the Big Ten. I think that and I feel like it, it's kind of an unspoken thing. But Big Ten competition is very different from Pac-12 and even Big 12 competition in, in the defensive talent that they're able to produce and the defensive talent that they end up facing. But Ohio State does remain consistently at the top of the Big Ten for a reason, and that's because they take their time and they coach their players up to be ready by their later years. And I think that Sam Hart could be uh, a huge beneficiary of the method and the process at Ohio State. I think that he's built to succeed at the college level, and I think that you know his his redshirt year they're going to make him a bit stronger and a bit bigger as well. And then having that second year of kind of you know watching and learning from the sideline, especially they're going to have him watch some receiver film just to work on his get offs and help him with his balance. And I think that. By his junior or senior year, I think he'll be dominant, arguably, at the collegiate level. And I, I see him thriving, but probably as a one-year starter and maybe a two-year player. Yeah, I, I could see that, too. Um, because, look, don't don't get it twisted. Just because they have same heart doesn't mean they're going to stop recruiting the tight end position. If there's a better player out there, you know, this is just... This is just how college football works. They're going to recruit him, and then, you know, things could be up in the air from there. But there's no doubt that he's a talent. Uh, in, a, in a lot of other programs, he would probably be a, you know, a, a one-year – or not a one-year starter, sorry, a four-year starter uh, starting his freshman year. But, you know, Ohio State is not like a lot of other programs. So there you go. But, yeah. Uh, Cody, if you don't have anything else to add on here – uh coming up next we have our number one tight end in the state of colorado also i want to say our number one player period in the state of colorado ranking wise and then we'll talk about honorable mentions as well so coming up next spoiler alert Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. And we are going to wrap up our Colorado Playmakers Top 5 Tight Ends of 2021. But first, we have some honorable mentions. One of them being Landon Turnwall out of Valor Christian High School. Landon just missed this list because his frame is a bit scrawnier and his portfolio of routes is not as diverse as some of these guys. But... He's a pretty decent blocker, and he has some pretty solid speed for a tight end. I could see him potentially converting to a wideout on the next level. Simon, who's our other honorable mention? So the other honorable mention here we already talked about, it's Cam Jones, the Palmer Ridge tight end that's committed to CSU. Uh, Like I said, you just barely missed this list. You know, I don't think there was just quite enough film there, honestly, because he did have a lot of defensive film. But he is a great player. He's a solid enough player. Um, 
not the biggest though he'd definitely have to fill out but you know he has great size or great height i should say at six five and so he would definitely fill in and you know he'll he'll have an opportunity to compete against tanner arkin over at colorado state where he's committed so that being said introduce our number one tight end simon the number one tight end in the state of colorado in addition the number one rated player in the state of colorado it's terrence ferguson the 6'5 230 pound tight end from heritage high school he is a four-star commit like i said the highest rating to the university of oregon go ducks so let's go ahead and talk about errors of improvement here cody do you mind if i get it started go for it so he is listed at a tight end But he is most definitely more of a receiver, I would say. He gives off kind of Chase Claypool vibes. I know at Notre Dame, they use Claypool more as, uh, well, I I guess compared to the NFL, they used him at times as a tight end and then put him out receiver. And he did just as he did awesome, obviously, which is why he went in the second round. Uh, but there's a reason why they did that. And so Terrence Ferguson, I feel like, has a very similar build to uh, Chase Claypool at 6'5", 230. And I honestly think he's just a really good receiver, you know. But with that being said, I do think he... He may struggle blocking linebackers and defensive linemen because, first off, we just didn't see him do a lot of that uh, in high school because Eric Olson got to do a lot of that. And that's a little bit of an area of concern, you know. Um, Look, the way Oregon uses him, it probably won't matter that much, but it does kind of hurt his versatility just a little bit here, not being able to block against defensive linemen and linebackers as well as some of the other guys on this list. And so blocking for him is definitely a problem, at least against bigger players. And so that's something that we will have to keep an eye on. I'd like to see him improve that. Uh, Just get stronger because, you know, compared to Eric Olson, I don't think he's as built. I think Eric Olson is a little bit more stout, even though they're both listed at 6'5", 230. I believe Eric Olson's uh, 6'5", 230 over than Terrence Ferguson. Um, also shout out to Terrence Ferguson. He did give us a follow, I believe on TikTok and on Instagram. Also, he's, he's DM'd us before and he showed us some love there. So big shout out to Terrence Ferguson there. This ain't no disrespect. We're just talking about areas of improvement, but yeah, so blocking is definitely the biggest one. And and yeah, I, I think if I really wanted to nitpick here, like really nitpick here, I would say agility might be a little bit of a question. He could definitely have more fluid hips, especially if he's go play receiver. He could definitely have more fluid hips. So there you go. You know, work on work on that agility there as well. And then route running, it could be a little bit more crisp for sure. So, so yeah. But Cody, what are some areas of improvement for Terrence Ferguson here? Sweet. My turn to nitpick. So Terrence Ferguson, obviously I agree that you know, for being called a tight end, he lines up wide out pretty often. So I'd like to see him line up more inside and see how he works running those seam routes, you know, running through that traffic that you have to work through as a tight end. And I'd like to see him block people more his size. I mean, he has quite a few pancakes, but they're against cornerbacks like all the time. So uh, there's definitely a question mark for me 
as far as his blocking goes, unless they plan on continuing to just send him outside to block, which Oregon really just might do. But he's definitely going to be a mismatch problem for anyone who is trying to cover him anyway. I will also say that one of his areas of improvement is he could put more emphasis on his leverage and technique while blocking because he is just getting away with being bigger than his 4A competition in Colorado, which is also kind of a weakness too. You could tell that, you know, I, I'd like to see how he would do in a Cherry Creek bracketed coverage against like a Miles Purchase or, you know, something along the lines of that or or against like an Eagle Crest where he could have a Ty Robinson playing him, you know, where Ty's the cornerback and then Oladipo is over the top. So we get to miss out on those matchups. But, and and I will conclude with, there's definitely some times where he, he does push off for, for a catch, and I think that'll be called at the next level. But, Simon, if you don't mind me going into strengths, I can talk about why I don't think that's too big of a deal. Yeah, go for it. So, the reason why I don't think it's a big deal that Terrence Ferguson pushes off too much is because he catches with people on his back. Like, legitimately jumping on his back before he even has the ball. And jumping off of him to try and swat the ball because of how much of a problem he is when he, whenever he gets up in the air. So, the fact that he will probably draw more defensive pass interference flags than he will ever cause offensive pass interference flags, I'm not super concerned about it. I will also say that he has... I talked about how big of a catch radius Sam Hart has, and I've talked about Ty Robinson's catch radius, but Terrence Ferguson has bar none the biggest catch radius in the state of Colorado. He's a great jump ball guy. He plays through physical coverage all the time, and he has more more of an arsenal to combat press coverage and physical coverage than most of our wide receivers do. He has different types of releases that he uses to get inside leverage to go back outside or to go out to back in. He also will just basically bull rush defenders off the ball if they really think they can play press with him and he just knows that he's stronger than him. So than them. So he has multiple types of releases. He can get off of press better than most of the receivers in the state. He plays <laughs> like the amount of times he comes down with catches and double coverage is insane. Like you could tell that this guy is built beyond Colorado talent. And I think that he's built on a, on a national scale of talent as far as being a pass catcher and a jump ball guy who has mossed multiple people, multiple defenders at a time against multiple opponents, including some of the best in the state. Terrence Ferguson and Eric Olson were both huge parts of the 2019 Heritage Campaign, where they went 8-4 and four and were state quarterfinalists, which is not super common for a Heritage team, especially when you look at their 2020 record. They don't know how to sustain success. But I think that, you know, through his capability of beating press, he he's also a pretty solid route runner for his size. And, you know, he's he's gotten quite a few guys on double moves when he doesn't even have to due to his above average speed for his size, I'd say. I think he's also a pretty consistent tackle breaker. And man, when he goes up for a pass, he's going to come down with it. There's almost no stopping him when the ball's in the air. And that is just, there's a lot to like about Terrence Ferguson. Simon, I hope I didn't steal all your thunder and steal everything to talk about. 
Nah, you're all good. There's a reason Terrence Ferguson is one of the best tight ends in in the country. You know, don't not even the state, but in the country. Obviously, he's the best in the state, but in the country, he is currently ranked as uh, the ninth best tight end. But everyone else above him is a four-star guy too. So they're basically splitting hairs at this point. Um, There's a this is really interesting. There's a tight end on this list who is a four-star guy four-star guy too out of nevada who is going to oregon as well and so we'll talk about that when we get to outlook but you know terrence ferguson he's he's a beast you know he's he's honestly probably arguably one of the best offensive weapons to be on not just this tight ends list but our playmakers uh of 21 list you know he's he's that imposing of a threat you know he's he's big at 65230 and you know he consistently you know pulls a megatron on plenty of defenders he's someone who's a easy like he's the definition of a jump ball guy you know he's he's someone that you really can't guard that easily you'd have to bracket him with a very physical and fast corner and then a taller safety so just just to you know just to stop him at least in excuse me at least in high school so so there you go uh stat wise i mean obviously it was really good too in uh in his junior year we'll go with that since that was the last time he played a full season he had 54 catches for 929 yards and 11 touchdowns but he had 1229 total yards and 14 total touchdowns as well and so that just kind of shows how much of a threat he is uh not just at tight end but you know obviously as a receiver and maybe as a little bit of a runner as well and then uh yeah and then blocking wise he's very physical against corners and safeties so that's good at least he's not a total liability out there and he could definitely block I personally think he could probably be a little bit more of a receiver, so that's that's where that works out. And so that's where he doesn't necessarily have to block against, you know, linemen and linebackers as much as a traditional tight end. But yeah, you know, he's a monster. He's someone that a lot of teams would need and for a lot of teams he would be the number one guy on that roster. But uh let's go ahead and talk about Outlook here at Oregon. So Cody, do you mind if I if I get it started here? I don't. Okay. So uh, at Oregon, you know, they did recruit two tight ends. Terrence Ferguson being one of them. The other four-star guy is, oh my gosh, I hope I say this right. Maliki Madaval out of uh, Nevada. And, you know, he's 6'6", 240, so he's definitely a little bit bigger than Terrence Ferguson. With him coming in, and then obviously it being Oregon, so just like Ohio State, they'll always get some of the top offensive players. At, at least for Oregon, they'll always get some of the top offensive players in the country, and then you know the occasional top defensive player. Uh, I, there's going to be competition there, and in this class alone, you know there already is. This kid, he's not rated that much higher over Terrence Ferguson. Loki, I think he might be rated a little bit higher because he's a bigger player. But Nevada competition isn't exactly that much better than Colorado competition, in my opinion. Unless he's playing against the Bishop Gormans of the world. But those are private schools and don't necessarily always count. But anyways, with that being said, I think he, Terrence Ferguson, it would do him some good to redshirt. Because, you know, obviously, academically speaking, he'll have to adjust and all that. And so that would be a good thing for him to do. And then he needs to get bigger. Um, obviously, you can't do anything about his height. But at 230, 
I'm just going to be honest. I don't quite believe he's at 230. He doesn't look like a very solid 230. He could be, for all I know. And he might just be a little bit taller than where, where he's actually listed. But I'd like to see him put on some weight. If he could get to 240, 250, I'd feel much better about that. Uh, but even then, he might even only be a two-year kind of starter at Oregon. You know how they do it over there. They definitely develop their um, their offensive players really well. Like I said, not as much defense, but offensively, they definitely develop a lot of players very well over there. Uh, some of them, they could start right away, and then some, they take their time on. Either way, they're going to be good, and they're going to fit that offense over there. I personally think Terrence Ferguson you know he could he could make some noise up there up in up in eugene oregon but he's gonna have to battle on his own depth chart to get those opportunities but i believe once he get those opportunities he could definitely be somebody who's an nfl guy someday so there you go but um it might have to be at receiver too though which if they play him at receiver then that might actually be much better for him and he low-key could be a three-year starter as a receiver for Oregon because usually don't they don't recruit a lot of uh, big physical receivers like Terrence Ferguson would be if he switched over. So yeah, two-year starter probably or two-year contributor, two-year contributor, one-year starter potentially as a tight end, but I could easily see him as a three-year starter as a receiver if that's the route. But Cody, what do you think about Terrence Ferguson here outlook-wise? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with the redshirt year. I think that it depends on how they use him. Obviously, having that other four-star tight end does cramp in the tight end room a little bit. But you're right. They really don't recruit those big physical receivers. And I think that his production comes from what can he do in the red zone. And I think that he can dominate the Pac-12 in the red zone. So I say that he could be... A, a one-year contributor or, you know, get on the field, score some touchdowns guy, easily a two-year starter in my opinion. And I think that he has the athletic frame to go to the NFL. We've seen this uptick and rise in the past 15 or so years in the NFL of guys who are built like Terrence Ferguson playing tight end and just exploiting safety and linebacker mismatches and even cornerback mismatches. I think that as far as like an NFL comparison, he kind of reminds me a lot of Julius Thomas, where Julius Thomas was almost never used in the run game, but he could take off from a three-point stance down the seam, or he could be put in a slot or on the outside and just exploit the size and speed mismatches that a tight end of Terrence Ferguson's size and speed offers. Yeah, for sure. Or, you know, like like we've discussed, he could go the receiver route or the clay pool route, we could call it, and be more of that wide receiver type. Um, I guess the only real question there is how would he fare against taller cornerbacks? Because, look, if he, if he was to play receiver, I think he'd get on the field maybe a little bit quicker. But he'd have to prove himself pretty quickly because, you know, even though it is the Pac-12, there are some dogs out there, including... Uh, well, Nation Wright won't be there because I think Nation Wright's going to the NFL this year, I want to say. But Rajon Wright is still there, and he's like 6'4", 6'3". Uh, Weight-wise, he's nowhere near Terrence Ferguson, but length-wise, he's there. We know he's an aggressive player. He has some speed to him. So, you know, if 
you really got to think, you know, would Terrence Ferguson farewell against a Rajon Wright, you know? And we can't really project that now, but if Terrence Ferguson wants to get that matchup, it would do him a lot of good to make a point out of that matchup. So just uh, throwing that out there because it is a very realistic scenario, which would be low-key a colliding of two, ro- uh, two worlds considering uh, his brother Nation Wright reached out to us on the podcast. So there you go. Yeah. Well, do you have nothing else to add on to that? I I really don't. Um, Okay. uh, I mean, everything you said is right. You know, I'm not going to disagree with any of it. And and there's a lot of truth in what you said. So, but if that's all you have to say, then I think that wraps up this episode. Yeah. So, number five, Tenor. Arkin, number four, Gunnar Helm, number three, Eric Olson, number two, Sam Hart, and number one, Terrence Ferguson. Not only the best tight ends in the state, but some of the best tight ends in the country. So obviously make sure you give these guys a lot of love and we'd love to have any of you guys on the show, show them support on social media as well as show us support on social media. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter at playmakers corner or playmaker corner we try and make pretty daily content i'd say so you know stay tuned stay engaged and we're going to be wrapping up our top five playmakers class of 2021 with linebackers as the next and final episode of this specific series but i've i'm your host cody stoffer and i'm your other co-host simon voyanos And we will see you around. Peace. Go Ducks. Nah.